So I want to become a dog trainer. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together Barks from the bookshop we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop Welcome. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to um, the first episode of Barks from the Bookshelf. It's very exciting. Welcome there, Natalie Light. Hello. My sister, Steve Behaviourist. Steve Goodall. <laughs> Is that going to Is that going to catch on, do you think? I think it has with me. Can I get it on hoodie? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. Why not? Um, well, a very, very warm welcome to everyone who's listening. Um, we are thrilled to have you... Um, in have you in our ears no have us in your, us ears. In your ears thank you for that letting went off the us inside quick. your brain <laughs> <laughs> so um first episode we have got a corker of a book it's a good book it is a good book it's um i remember when i started uh, dog training way back in the old, in the old days. days when it was all fields and black and white <laughs> <laughs> um yeah this was the book that was on everyone's lips at the time and uh i when i first got a copy of this it blew my tiny mind yeah. um yeah. my mind is still fairly tiny but it, it, it blew it well there's still stuff you know there'll be new stuff that will blow our minds again i'm and actually, sure reading but... back through it has actually um yeah, yeah really... it's it stood the test of time as well considering you know this is one of the i remember when i first started out probably well like yeah 15 years ago um i went to a sheila harper seminar and i think that's where i first saw this book um be recommended and it was just it, it was amazing it was just like opening up a whole new world of, of language and understanding yeah and i think it's a very good place for us to start i think it's an awesome place to start yeah. should put people out of their suspense yes let's let's so this is on talking terms with dogs calming signals by the amazing churid 
Rugrass. Yes. Uh, Good pronunciation there. Yeah, We're a bit I'm, worried about <laughs> It might change as we go through. Yeah. <laughs> and when possible. we when we speak to Turid, she might completely correct us about how we're pronouncing her name. So we apologise profusely. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit about the author before we get into the book. So um, Turid is a Norwegian dog trainer. Um, I'm getting this from Wikipedia, by the way. It's not coming straight off the top of my brain. I wish I did have that kind of uh, <laughs> that kind of memory. Um, Got her first dog in 1948 and has been a trainer since 1969. Wow. Set up her first dog school in 1984. And I love this bit. On her farm overlooking the fjords of Norway. Oh, it sounds awful. That sounds, it sounds, sounds awful. pretty bad, doesn't it? Should we go to her to interview her, do you think? I, think I we mean, should, forget yeah. this. Uh, Will you have us? Over the phone. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, she started educating other dog trainers and giving seminars in 1992. Since then, conducted workshops in 12 different countries with students from 24 countries. She's now retired. Very nice. Feet up. Yeah. Um, but continues conducting seminars and workshops internationally. Published several books and DVDs including the one that we're talking about on Talking Terms with Dogs. That's a bestseller. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who hasn't got this book, actually, I don't think, in the dog training world. No. Um, and she's identified some 30 calming signals to explain the communication of dogs. So she's a busy lady. Um, I, there is a something else, something else here. On the 27th of November 2017, she was awarded the King's Badge of Honour by Norwegian King Harald, or Harry, as I know him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For her contributions over the last 40 years wow, in the field of canine behaviour. impressive. I know. Badge of honour. I wonder if it's a dog-shaped badge. I hope so. Or a paw. Or just a massive crown. Yeah, uh, a crown. Just too heavy to wear on your yeah. lapel. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's a little bit about her. Let's um, get into the meat of it and start talking about... Well, well first of all, I think what would be a nice thing to do is um, how did you find reading it? Again, obviously, we've read this book before. There's also a DVD that comes with it, isn't it, that I've seen? Yeah, I haven't seen the DVD. You said you had. I so um, if I have seen it, I've forgotten it. Um, but rereading the book, like I said before, I think it's really, like, stood the test of time completely. Um, and having read it all those years ago and kind of had my eyes opened to canine body language and communication um i've kind of gone back to it every now and again when i've needed a reference maybe for for a report or for um, case studies or portfolios um but i haven't read it through properly so it's really nice to have the excuse to really and And, yeah and and read through it and it's a it's a blooming good book you know it's a little book as well yeah yeah, it's a good one to start because it's, it's nice. not too. You don't have to trudge through it, and there's pictures. Published by good. Dogwise, they always do some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that. that's a great publisher. And and um, first written in 1997 as well. Yes, which yeah, like you say, it really has stood the test of time. Um, and all about calming signals. Yes, and obviously in here that they go through 30, 30 odd calming signals or way that dogs communicate with one another. I think what well, there's there's a few different terms for calming signals in the dog training world i've heard a few different ones in my time um some people obviously use the word calming signals mm-hmm. or the phrase calming signals i've heard appeasement gestures what was the one you said uh, conflict resolution strategies I like that. threat reduction strategies I like conflict um you know the ladder of aggression there's all sorts of different mm. um ways of describing the the discrete set of uh, behavioral repertoires that dogs can um enact in order to uh, make themselves less stressed 
get themselves out of a situation. Throwing anti-shock shapes. (laughs) Can we do that? Yeah. (laughs) The new age of calming signals. That's what I like about you. You humour me. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got some sections coming up um, and we're going to break down the book, have a chat about it, talk about all sorts of stuff. And we are also going to have an interview with the amazing Trid herself. We are. We're very lucky. Very we are lucky. very lucky. It's been a bit of a scoop for our first episode, that yeah, one. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Really well, exciting. So, um, yeah, keep listening and uh, join us. Why read it? Why read it, Nat? Why? <laughs> Why should you read this book? Um, well, personally... I think that anyone with a dog or that has any interest in dogs or comes into contact with dogs in on a day-to-day regular basis should read this book. Yeah. I, yeah, and I, I massive claim. Yeah. Alert. But but definitely definitely 100% that is exactly the way I feel about it because learning how your dog communicates, I think you have a responsibility yeah. to do that, you know, yeah. just just to make your life and their life a whole lot easier. Yeah. Put it this way, if your dog could work a keyboard and get on Amazon, this is the book they would order. I like that. It's like a manual. It's like, <laughs> please understand me. And they would give it to you as a Yeah, present. they would give it to us. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would arrive and it would have a little note inside saying, please read this and then everything will make sense. It'd probably come as a job lot with a load of chews and Oh yeah. Other well they're they, gonna get carried ordered. away. <laughs> you know, everyone gets sucked in by the people that like this also bought this and I'm sure dogs are the same. Um no, I'm d- in all seriousness, I, I honestly think it, it is a must read. I mean we said in the intro there, uh, like for me it just opened up the world and and after the world of dogs and, and after I'd read it. I was walking around and just starting to observe things yeah. and, and see how dogs were interacting and, and being able to sort of say to myself, oh, look, that, that dog's a little bit nervous in yeah. that sort of situation or that dog's trying to trying to calm that other dog down. Or, yeah. And it really, it just, it just really does make you much better at being able to help your dog out, like being an advocate for your dog. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the work that um, I tend to do with my clients now is actually we go out for a walk and I'm almost, you know, just doing a running commentary of what's going on. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of like the, the translator, really. Um, and, you know, there's obviously some differences of interpretation sometimes because observation is one skill and analysis and interpretation is another. But um, I, I think it once you've had your eyes opened to all the little nuances of, of body movements that dogs are doing continuously to try and communicate with us, with other animals that they might encounter on walks um you you just can't help but then adjust your behavior accordingly and so i think i yeah i do think it's a really important piece of work and i think yes there are other books out there that that cover um dog communication and and um, body language but it's just a really nicely written book with some good examples and some nice case studies and you know it's at a low price point it's it, it's not a massive, Small. thick, scary textbook, <laughs> yeah. yeah, where you would get a bit overwhelmed the minute it, it landed on your doorstep. Lots so, of pictures, which is always a plus Yeah, lots me. of pictures. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I genuinely would, would love to see everybody with a dog read this book. I think it I would think help a lot. a really good thing you brought up there is about the nuances, because it's... It, 
sometimes really of sometimes dogs are really obvious in their body language and mm-hmm. i think a lot of us can pick up on those obvious signs but so much of it is subtle like yeah. really really subtle and it's those subtle things that are, that are the bits that are really really interesting and yeah. there's 30 odd 30 odd different ones in this book yeah. i think 30 odd different descriptions of how a dog might use something yeah and it's uh, you know being a, a skilled um observer of of body language and behavior um, is all about knowing those those little signals, but also keeping them in context. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you can pick out little highlights here and there, but it, it's it's the bigger picture really, and seeing what conversations are going on, and that that's what I think the skills that you'll learn from this book are going to help. I mean, it's a starter mm-hmm. because you've got to go out and then actually yeah. watch some dogs and develop your your eye and your skill for observing. Um, but it, it's definitely a really good reference um and i i think that a lot of people would have a greater understanding and therefore respect of their dog yeah um if if they had read it yeah you know there's a lovely bit at the end um towards the end of the book where she's talking about how to start observing and and it's interesting what you're saying there because it's all about she i think she says to pick one thing like one specific thing that's maybe a bit obvious and then start observing when your dog uses that yeah that one thing be it i don't know like head turning or lip licking or something along those lines and and just see when your dog is using it and then concentrate on that one thing and then that one thing will lead to something else will lead to something else um and then open up your world indeed definitely it's well it's amazing why read it everyone should that's why yeah Yeah. it's not expensive it's not long and it will really help your relationship with your dog and still we i mean we had a little chat before still massively relevant yeah considering you know the the world of dog training and behavior moves fast yeah or pretty fast and there's lots you know there's there's lots of new waves of you know games you can play with your dog and ways of packaging things yeah. and there's lots of bells and whistles on things and yes we could probably sit and and discuss all the different names and uh, labels for things but at the end of the day it's it's a good book that mm-hmm. shows canine body language and we're all for that exactly bro no oh, you pricked my eye pricked your eyes is that as expected pricked your, pricked your... <laughs> sounds a bit violent <laughs> it does you just pricked my eye <laughs> i've made a um, new thing up <laughs> yeah you have i'm not sure how it's going to catch on to be honest mate but we'll caught see my ear, yeah my caught, eye. caught your ear <laughs> so this one pricked me eye okay um, good when i was going through paper cut on the eyeball that's not good (laughs) so page 23 uh section on down so using lying down as a calming signal um and uh yeah we quite often i i quite often hear um and i know this is a little bit of a bugbear of yours as well that when a dog lies down it's an invitation to go and give them a little bit of a pay yeah. reward like yeah. yeah um and quite often this is not the case it turns out huh yes yes um in the workshops and talks that i do i've got some um, really good stills of dogs that are inviting a tummy rub and enjoying a tummy rub and dogs that are not enjoying or inviting a tummy rub mm. and when you put them next to each other it's so blooming obvious, obvious. but um it, it, it's also the biggest thing that i think people go away from those workshops saying i have been reading my dog wrong all this time mm. um because the dog is maybe using 
um, the the lie down. So imagine a little squirmy spaniel. This is the behaviour we're discussing. A little squirmy spaniel. You get home from work and they run up to your feet and they throw themselves on their back. Um, and there might be a little bit of urination in the early stages as well with that. And you know we we, we kind of um, misinterpret that a lot of the time as oh you're home give me a tummy tickle and I'm not I'm not saying that there aren't dogs that would do that yeah um, but a lot of the time I see that it, it is more of an appeasement gesture and it's a you know don't don't threaten me yeah oh my goodness it's exciting because I'm home I'm not sure what else to do or I know you're going to touch me you're going to approach me and it's a reaction to that instead of what what we as humans interpret it which is that they want our hands all over them yeah it seems obvious to us sometimes doesn't it mm. just to go straight down there and give them a bit of a belly rub and yeah 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 and it's just, sometimes I guess you're just uh confirming the fear that they're gonna get yeah. handled yeah you're in you're well. in a cycle then yeah completely before you know it yeah yeah, yeah. so that's yeah this one I mean I, I see a lot lying down as a form of stopping excited play um yeah my little dog penny's really good at doing that you see that a lot with smaller dogs do that i think they learn quite quickly don't they that how how to govern bigger yes more exuberant personalities um, yeah. especially during play and if they're not happy laying down freezing that sort of stuff can really really work yeah they're kind of they're just using it as a way to not be a squeaky little yes. prey item anymore yeah. um when play has gone a bit over the top but i mean you must get it with your puppy clients as well and puppies uh, i remember when i was doing puppy classes a lot of a lot of clients would come and say oh he keeps lying down on walks mm-hmm. and um you know you kind of think well are they tired no we'd only just left the house and then oh, you start asking stubborn. them where they're being yeah they're being stubborn yeah. where are they being walked well the traffic is quite busy and you just think yeah. well it's it's a way of your dog trying to communicate to you that they're not entirely happy in that yeah. situation it's, um, it's nine o'clock at night it's dark exactly it's yeah car headlights streaming towards them yeah and the smells have changed yeah yeah we quite often get that and i think i think well we're going to talk maybe a little bit about stubbornness later on but mm. um it, it's our go-to isn't it because we just we just assume that's it that must be it they've stopped they just they're just not walking i can't get them to walk and then of course invariably what do people do give them a little tug yeah which can have the opposite effect again um yeah yeah so again opening your mind to why your dog might be doing these things this is why this book is so so important because we um what's that word that i can never spell anthropomorphize them very very often um and just try and you know try and understand them through our lens mm-hmm. of what we might be doing in those sort of situations and actually they have their own little language of their own they do and i think you know some anthropomorphism oh my Ten goodness points. i nearly got it um uh, can be useful to try and um you know see something from your dog's point of view Mm -hmm. but maybe the use of analogies is better there you know do you remember a time when you did this and you know um and your dog might be feeling the same um but i think the key to you know moving forward and being able to solve any training or behavior problems that you're having is is understanding really and sometimes that understanding can lead to you going okay fine they don't like that we won't do that again and it can really help yeah just just that level of understanding can really help yeah change everything around um the other thing that 
pricked your eye this time. Pricked my eye. That's stick now, sorry. That is going to stick. You're going to do a little <laughs> jingle. Well, you probably you've probably heard the jingle already because yeah, we've not recorded there. it yet. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I was looking through the section on. Yes, page fifty-eight, wasn't it? Um, where sitting. Sit yes. So this is something really close to my heart, and again, something that I. Um, have a video of all of my dogs, my four dogs, um, arranging themselves when I'm divvying out treats. Mm -hmm. So we're on a walk, um, I call them to me and they arrange themselves in in a way that they are comfortable and then I divvy out the treats. And because of the way they've been able to arrange themselves and because I haven't encouraged them or requested or commanded or forced them to sit in a line of high order, because that's the way I like it, um, then there's no conflict between them. Uh-huh. And there's a picture on page 58 which just shows exactly why I don't... I al- why I allow my dogs to kind of position themselves wherever they feel comfortable. Because a lot of, you know general training classes where you've got dogs too close to each other and then you're practicing your sit stay Mm -hmm. you know it's just a really weird environment for some dogs and it's just a a really good picture um of the dogs desperately trying to be obedient and do what their master says by sitting and staying it is brilliant but then they're they're also you know fighting against the the kind of doggy communication of not bogging anyone yeah. out basically <laughs> so they're kind of stuck in a really difficult situation they're doing a fantastic they job. are doing a fantastic <laughs> job fantastic job and i think again when we're talking about understanding why uh, you know positioning your, your dog in a certain way may not be a particularly good idea and why your dog might look away from a camera when you ask them to sit, stay and try and take a nice picture of them or, you know, why they are seemingly ignoring the dog right next to them um, and you want them to be friendly and make friends. You know, this is a prime example of that. Scooby is a classic for lip licking as soon as he sees a camera. Yeah. Uh, Because, yeah, stare at me, stare right at me. Exactly. That's really confrontational for him. Really, you cannot stand it. Yeah. Can't stand it at all, which is why I have no photos of Scooby now. I've got thousands. Yeah. <laughs> um, another another really really quick one here that I think I, I would be um, irresponsible if I didn't bring up is uh, there there is a picture of um, a young child trying to put a lead onto um, Churid's dog uh, Ula I think her name is I think that's how you pronounce it yeah, that's just a tiny little picture there and a tiny little description um, what does the description say it says um, Vesla who, who's the dog feels oh, uncomfortable Vesla. when Gabby tries to attach the rope to her fortunately Churid takes her granddaughter away leaving Vesla in peace which is nice we see pictures like this all the time yeah. of children being put right next to their dogs for photo opportunities mm-hmm. babies toddlers you name it um it's a bit yeah well that's a bit of a bugbear of mine that one yeah um i i'm not a fan of those sorts of pictures um and quite often again if you read this book you would see some signals that the dog is not enjoying that um completely and i think the the term that i i get told a lot which um, I'm, I'm always questioning a bit more, um, is, oh, he's fine with whatever. Yeah. He's fine at the vets. He's fine with our granddaughter. And what does the word fine actually mean? 
I think it just means that he hasn't bitten anyone or growled yeah, at them we yet. Noticed the reaction. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think if you've ever described your dog as being fine with something, then read this book and and then let us know if you still look think again. your dog was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and have a look again. Because again, subtle. Yeah. Subtle, subtle signs. And that picture actually does a good there's a good old tongue coming out and, yeah. and the eyes looking away, head turning away. She's lying down. Yeah, lying down. It's, it's basically ticking all the boxes. Yeah. Um bless her. Um so yeah, uh very, very important, massively important for those reasons because these are the sort of situations where things can go wrong. Um, it's testament to dogs that they don't go wrong. Yeah, and and let's not you know try and look for issues where there aren't any. No. I mean, life is stressful. There are going to be things that you know if you're leaning over and you're putting your dog's harness on and you're just a bit clumsy about it, then they might throw some of these signals at you. But it doesn't mean you've got to you know go and write a whole yeah. behaviour plan. But what it does mean is that when you notice things like that, you can you can then go into that situation next time a bit more pre-armed you, you yeah. know and and then problems are less likely to develop and you're not going to get those those out of nowhere or out of character reactions because you would have seen it building up and, and that's, that's what all knowledge. these signals about exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly that's what we all need a little bit more knowledge nice one right should we uh move on to the next yes let's a tin hit Practical applications, ladies and gentlemen. Right, this section is about what you can learn and then practically apply from this book. Which is what it's all about, isn't it? It is, it is. Because, um, you know, gaining knowledge is all about um, then how you can improve the lives of uh, the dogs you work with or the dogs you live with. So... I think this is a really good book for practical applications, actually. So it's quite difficult to pick one. Yeah, hence, <laughs> so, hence we've got two. Indeed, uh, but, <laughs> but there I, could have been loads. Yeah, yeah. and um, for for those of you that that maybe um, haven't read the book or uh, you know just want to pick one particular signal that you that you can um, look out for and change the way you behave with your dog out on walks, I think that a really good one is curving. So that's on page thirty one, and. Um, I see a lot of of clients with um, dogs that are reactive on lead, mm. and uh, you know where we live, it's quite it's quite busy with dogs, isn't it? Yep. You know, um, and the walks that we tend to do are uh, pavement style walks or on a path through a woodland. Yep. So when you do meet other dogs um, or you know other walkers, cyclists, people on horseback, you're walking directly towards them. Yeah. And that is directly against what dogs would usually do when they greet each other. Yeah. So I think a really good practical application of, of learning on the section of curving um, is to appreciate that in a dog's ethology and a polite way to approach another dog or another, you know, non canine animal is to walk round to the side because then they go to the butt to sniff and they can start a, a nicer a conversation rather than going straight on it's completely the opposite to what we do yeah straight ahead yeah. hand out exactly shake my hand give me a hug yeah depending on how well you know i mean well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just you Steve. um but you know we're we're a very tactile species yeah. and it's all, a, all very visual and so you know when we greet each other we walk straight towards each other and and our environment is set up for that 
You know, yeah. you pass someone on the pavement, you, you pass them, don't you? That's it. You're both walking towards each other directly. And so this little section on curving, um, if I were to um, read this for the first time and think, how could I practically apply this in, in my day-to-day life and, you know, to the listeners, what you could try, is just giving your dog a little bit more space from passing things. Yeah. So walking off to the verge and just allowing the the other person or animal to pass before your dog then has a look and investigates yeah so that you're minimizing the the face to face interaction really and and then walking dead towards each other um and you know even with dogs that aren't reactive on the lead i think they would still benefit from something like that so totally. you know you can help them out a little bit you can just chuck a treat into the undergrowth and get them sniffing so that they're turned away for when the other dog or person appears um it, it doesn't take much and once you start watching how um subtle the curve is on some interactions particularly with dogs that that know each other quite well um it can be the difference between you know half a sidestep could mean your dog barks or doesn't so, you might also observe that your dog curves big. Yes. Big curvature. Curvature? Curvature. Curvature. Yeah, yes. yeah that's a good word. I'm making new words up all the way yeah. through this. Yeah, and then and then that will, you know, lead you to having a better understanding of the sort of space your dog's gonna need when yep. when, when they're out on about. You know, this is why I think, um and this is me just thinking out loud really. Careful. Um yeah. This is why I think we see a lot more on lead reactivity for dogs that are absolutely fine. Using that word again, don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) They have no issues or they don't get into conflict when they're off lead. Because most of the time, they've just bogged off into their comfort zone and they're not close enough to the other dog to be worried because they're off lead and they have the freedom to use their body to resolve conflict. Whereas when we then stick them on a you know, half metre lead and we're worried that they're going to bark as they did last time as well when we wrap it around our hands and Get we don't let them move, then they can't take do anything. Take of breath. Yeah, they can't do anything with their body to signal to the other dog, it's all right, mate. We don't, we don't tend to give dogs a lot of choice in these... No. interactions do we and when you when you do start looking at like curving is a fantastic example mm. of what they would do given the choice yeah and you start employing that it really can take a lot of pressure off yeah a lot of pressure off yeah um, both ends of the lead as well yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly exactly and you know i'm not saying we're irresponsible when you let your dog off the lead so that they can choose what to do when it's not safe but um, just a little bit of space sometimes can can make all the difference. A classic one for me. This this kind of goes into that a little bit actually. Is um, quite often when I do recall um, training, like recall classes or anything along those lines, is just just the act of turning your body away from the dog. Yeah. Just actually like dropping your shoulder. Um, not that I'm any sort of footballer, but I always remember the drop your shoulder <laughs> analogy to sort of like, you know, get get away from someone. Um, it really works well on getting your dog to come back to you. What often doesn't work too well is standing straight on yeah. and sort of, like, you know, or moving towards them, which is the same with the curving thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a big no-no in a dog's world. And just, you know, getting your dog's attention, turning your shoulder, giving a little clap, and, say, yeah, come, 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 and then rewarding at your side, I've always found works really well. And that, that's always a bit of an eye-opener for people in class because, again, being a human, you just want to stand there with your arms out, shouting come or whatever yeah, it is you're going yeah. to shout to your dog and then you're wondering why your dog maybe comes halfway back and stops yeah you know that may be the signal to them to to stay where you are because you're being quite you know 
forward facing yeah you know um so. and there may be a history of learning where the dog has approached and the person has then lent further into them exactly. to grab their collar or their harness yeah um and so you know they've got all of this um you know grabbing yeah um in their in their mind as to what might happen so yeah they do a bit of dog arithmetic exactly work out is it worth it yeah or maybe i'll come back to sort of five foot and if you step forward i'll step back and you get that little dance going yeah. on um, but yeah, it, it, it's a brilliant thing, to, a simple thing to do. So yeah, give that one a try because that's really, really cool. Yeah. If you're having problems with having your dog come back to you, you know, just turning away, walking away, running away, and I think singing that, as you're running. Yeah, that that's a really good practical application is to um, not have as much. Um, uh, sort of onus on verbal communication with your dog exactly you know, think about your body movements a lot more than what you're actually saying um or what you're tr- you are trying to communicate to your dog um we did think about calling this shut up and move didn't yeah we? we did <laughs> yeah because <laughs> That's I, true. yeah the, the more you work with um with dogs um the more aware you become of your body language and then you start you know psychoanalyzing people like oh, why did they shift away when i did that yeah. and, all sorts. and it, it is quite a, a weird skill to have or an observation skill to have what was the quote you told me was it something oh it's one of my favorite that's in um how dogs learn by oh. burke and bailey so it's uh don't do something just stand there nice so it it kind of goes against all other situations when you know um you need to act in some way yeah like your recall example Mm -hmm. if you're panicking because your dog is getting further and further away and so you feel like you have to react in and you're shouting and chasing them and all sorts um obviously there's you know we would risk assess this but um uh sometimes the best thing you can do is just stop flailing your limbs around <laughs> be quiet yep. and move you know even a tiny little move of your shoulder could really change the situation and how your dog reacts to it again this book really does tap in and making you aware of what you do with your body as well as what mm. dogs are doing with their body which is always a plus always a plus indeed So one thing everyone should know. Well, there's loads of stuff everyone should know in this book. Loads of it, but we have identified the one thing, which is a massive list of things, but the one thing (laughs) that we think is one of the biggest takeaways from this book, without a doubt, and that is how we identify stress. Page 56 here um, in the stressy section. Um, How we identify stress, and then also what can we do about stress in our dogs? uh again going back to that horrible word fine yeah my dog's fine um i've heard that a lot uh recently actually with the old fireworks um and things Mm. i wonder if uh, a bit of reading of this book or a bit of understanding of body language might lead you to think well actually maybe they're not as fine as i actually thought yeah i'm gonna stop saying fine now Uh, do you know what i've become really sensitized to it i can't (laughs) even use it in a normal sentence now it's ridiculous because you know it's an okay word it's fine <laughs> yeah it's a very british word though isn't it how yeah. is dinner fine yeah yeah, yeah. it's a horrible <laughs> word really, yeah it? unless it's about the weather <laughs> yeah so we've got a big list here on page 56 of uh how we can identify stress uh shall we just go through them shall we um yeah because i think you know um hopefully everyone has a, a, a vague understanding of stress 
and we all might feel it at certain times and like I said earlier life does throw stress at you so it's not you know oh my goodness rush your dog to the vet if you see any of these signs but um you know it's useful to just be a bit informed about the more subtle um you know welfare implications of of mental health of our dogs everything in context as well some of some of these you know some of on this list you have to look at the bigger picture doesn't it just because your dog's licking himself doesn't necessarily mean again you know yeah let's get him to the vets yeah (laughs) i mean you might have just spilled some squeezy cheese on him or something so yeah use use your common sense with it um but there's all sorts on here so uh, you know, pacing, restlessness, overreaction, uh, use of all the calming signals in the book, scratching, biting and chewing furniture. Um, oh, one that, one that I'm living with at the moment. Smell. Ugh, the smell of stress. My goodness. <laughs> not if, Jay? <laughs> not Jay. Um, oh, it's Drax dog. So he stinks. Oh, and he doesn't him. stink because he hasn't had a bath because he has but uh, you know I, I you just get that i don't know if anyone listening will know what i mean but you know with with a lot of rescue dogs or dogs that have been through a really traumatic experience you just i can't even describe what the smell is but it just smells of stressed dog um and yeah he, it's worth actually I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna cut in here because it is worth mentioning drax isn't it because you run a, a facebook page called drax's galactic adventures i do and it's all about a humongous well you take over the story well he is a horse <laughs> um and he's been with us um nearly three months now um and he was um, just under a year when we got him and he's basically i don't you know pieces of his history i don't really know but sure. he we we adopted him from many tears rescue and he had been picked up by them from some sort of puppy farm environment i guess i don't know mm-hmm. um and what i can you know deduce from his behavior is that people have not been particularly a good part of his life um he he likes dogs which is good um but yeah, so knowing, I mean, knowing all of these things in this book, had I, had I not read this book all those years ago, you know, I could have gone down a completely different route and then I wouldn't be helping to Easily rehabilitate a, a horse that's stinking my house out. So, you know. You, need to go and, <laughs> you seriously need to go and check out that page because it's brilliant. You nap it and that one talk gushingly about it but i can um it's basically me in my pajamas and a big dog that looks like a horse (laughs) but it's showing how you know how to use some of the methods in this book and probably every other book we're going to cover in the in the um in this podcast um to help rehabilitate build the confidence help help this big boy feel safe yeah in his world and hopefully and, and hopefully there'll be a happy ending but you know yes. it's it's long long term and well, he's already had a bit of a happy ending well landing on your doorstep he's, he's safe now he's but safe now yeah, well, but now we need to work out. on happy drax's galactic adventures check it out there's a plug thank for you him, for the plug yeah cheers mate so yeah looking at all of these so yeah biting chewing furniture barking howling whining um my little penny penguin she's got many names pongle um <laughs> she is not a fan of fireworks so we had a little bit of barking last night bless her restlessness pacing around yeah, tense muscles that's something we noticed as well last night real like yeah. unit arnold schwarzenegger tense she was last night and it was, uh, it was must be exhausting for them you know definitely. when she fi- when they finally stopped i bet she just conks out completely and goes to sleep really she deep. did we it's, it was that horrible moment last night of 
like she wanted to go out to the toilet and she really didn't want to go to the toilet in the house and we're kind of just yeah. prepared to take it on the chin. Yeah, like, yeah, just, yeah. Just we anyway, I do not care, yeah. you know, at the risk of taking her out and a, you know, a bomb going off over yeah. her head. Um, so she was getting quite distressed about that when they stopped. Um, bless her. Bless her little contacts. Mm. She's a little girl. Poor little monkey. But there's a great list here. Um, loads of lists of reasons that, yeah, and how you can identify stress. Um, well, there's a big old list. About I look, do you know things. what? I really like the bottom one. Um, about displacement behaviour. So it says using displacement behaviour when you ask him to do something. And I think, you know, we've just spoken about some pretty traumatic experiences of our dogs. So it's unsurprising that they're stressed yeah. then. But day to day, you know, if we're thinking about how we can um, have a, a, you know, a well-balanced, emotionally stable dog, then day to day, we don't want their stress levels fluctuating up and down too much. And pressure, uh, you know, not necessarily physical pressure of pushing them into positions, because that's not something we would advise anyway, but you know, the, the pressure of performing, yeah. the pressure of putting them in a social situation where they need to be a happy dog, but the pressure of asking them to sit um, for a treat in a, in an already difficult, yeah, in an yeah, already yeah. difficult situation. Can These are things be, that all come natural to yeah, yeah. people as well, aren't they? Yeah. If you do puppy classes, you get, you get a lot of this. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, displacement behavior is, is just amazing. And, I kind of know a bit more about it from my work in conservation before I started working with dogs because, you know, wild animals in a natural habitat, when we would, when we would do surveys, all they would do would, would be displacement behaviours. So, mm. you know, you're doing a small mammal survey, for That's example, you end yeah. up with a little, a little um, wood mouse uh, in, in, in your little bag while you're weighing them and, and, you know, not doing anything too nasty, but it is really stressful for them. Yeah, sure. And they'd sit there and clean and preen. And you think, okay, well, now is not a time for a bath, but so they're using they it as a displacement behaviour because they don't really know what else to do. Well, it's deferring to just the easiest thing yeah. maybe to do. You see that yeah. a lot. Actually, one of the ones here, scratching. Yeah. I mean, we talk about stress again. That, there were some massive examples of very traumatic experiences there, but quite often if you've got a puppy and you're doing a little bit of training with them, you'll notice them do a lot of scratching. Yeah. And that's to do with pressure yeah. like you know, i don't understand i don't get what you what, what's going yeah. on you know yeah is this right is that right there's lots of options for them there and how clear you are as a dog trainer is it's very difficult to be really really clear and have that timing right you know yeah. with them so it's definitely worth considering you know whether things are too too much pressure being put on your dog yeah if you see a lot of these and stress that stress isn't necessarily a bad thing either so no it's part, part of the learning process sometimes, but it has it's all relative. Exactly. Uh, you know, and uh, you've got to weigh it up as to whether it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes things are a little bit stressful, but they need to be done, like vet visits. So you can do all you can to make it as less stressful as possible, but, you know, they need to go and have a health check. But if your dog is finding, you know, competing in agility, for example, very stressful, then you need to have yeah. a little sit down and think about whether it's yeah. worth worth it, really. If you want your dog to sit on a mat in a particular place when there's a massive family party going on, but they're not happy <laughs> yeah. with it, is it worth, you know, yeah. Yeah, is it worth and they'd rather go the upstairs, you know. Exactly, exactly. Again, there's a choice. There's a lot of things about choice there as well, isn't there? So that brings us nicely on to what can we do about stressing mm-hmm. our dogs. Now, this list is a little bit shorter, but I love it. So I am going to go through each one yeah, do it. individually. So changing environments and routines wherever possible. It's simple things you can do straight away. 
I mean, we were talking about curving there. You know, if your dog struggles with with meeting dogs, you know, on lead and things along those lines, just changing where you walk. Yeah can have a massive effect on their yeah. stress levels and yours you should always and keep that put out because if your dog's stressed you're generally stressed as well and i think it's so simple but sometimes we kind of fight against behavior change in ourselves because we feel like we should be able to deal with a certain situation or work through it but sometimes the simplest um answer is is literally the one you should go with like i always remember years ago um uh, my collie would struggle getting out of the car in the driveway because of the big big lorries were going past our road, basically. Yeah. And he would get out the car and he would have a bark at the lorries and then we would go inside. And then one day someone just said to me, why don't you reverse onto your driveway? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Nice, simple, simple stuff. <laughs> yeah. So rather than going through some convoluted behavioural plan, yeah. you know, I did, and it took me a while to for my behaviour to change because I was used to driving straight in off the road. But um, I mean, maybe that's a silly example, but it's just no, it's a good example. You know, it's a really good example. You don't have to solve everything. I in fact, it we've was got solved, that you know? with with my older dog Scooby, who's a Dalmatian Border Collie cross. He hates going in my big yellow van. Just doesn't yeah. like it. And he used to like it for whatever reason. Doesn't like it anymore. And yeah, I could sit there and I could go through, you know, hours and hours of trying to, you know, condition it so he loves the van again. And yeah. I'm sure that would work. But we've got another car. Yeah. So now I just <laughs> pop him in the other car or make sure that we work it out. So, you know, taking him out, he goes in that car and he's happy as Larry in yeah. that one. Yeah. You know, um, it's not always a training. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to always go through everything, do you? Sometimes just managing situations yeah. is a good thing or just changing what pick, you do. Pick your battles because life is too short. <laughs> It is too short. You know, um, we're probably putting ourselves out of work here, Steve. (laughs) Shh. (laughs) This is only going out out of Hampshire. (laughs) Stop using harsh methods, violence, painful things. I mean, this goes without saying for me Mm -hmm. in my community, but for some people listening, you know, um, I mean, think about it. It's obvious, isn't it? That's just going to stress your dog out more. Um, You know, how our levels of frustration can lead us to making bad decisions as humans. Um, but we need to be better at making better decisions, especially where animals are concerned, um, and people, for that matter. So, yeah, I don't need to talk much about that one, I don't think. But No, I mean, I think she's right. There is no excuse for it. Um, doesn't matter no. what the behaviour is, really. But I also want to say, like, it, it doesn't mean that, that uh, people that, are, that subscribe to um, completely avoiding harsh methods don't get annoyed and frustrated oh like, no I, I, I never get annoyed yeah <laughs> <laughs> we get painted as these sort of you know little angels that float around going oh don't do that doggy it's not it's not the truth at all i get frustrated i've got five dogs for goodness sake how yeah. you know some days i'm tired and they get on my nerves <laughs> but it doesn't i you know i i have a deep breath and i go out or and i give them all a chew and just you know regroup go to the pub <laughs> <the> basically <laughs> um so yeah i think just don't be too harsh on yourself as well as your dog exactly um we can teach ourselves to see identify and use calming signals again get the book yeah learn a bit really 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 will help uh, avoid putting the dog in a situation where he experiences hunger thirst heat or extreme cold great great tip there because the, yeah. all, those things will stress your dog out as well yeah and hopefully that goes without saying i get stressed when i'm hungry you've got the hanger <laughs> 
do get hanged. Not, nothing like my wife. No, I know. Corinne is worse. Enough said about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in, ensure that he has the opportunity to go to the toilet as often as he needs to. Try and find your dog's correct level of exercise and activity. Too much or too little is not good for him. That's a really good point. Mm. Are we, I, I take the phone calls all the time. And like, Where would you like to get with your dog? Well, we want two walks a day, two 45-minute walks a day, one, yeah. one round-the-block route march at nine o'clock at night for final wee all dogs have got their own little personalities you know um you've got to work with the, the dog that you have it's not you know you don't don't always have to be doing all of the things that you want them to do or the amount of walks that you think are going to be necessary to tire your dog out or the sort of activities you do during those walks that you think are going to get a tired dog at the end of it yeah. that's, i think that's really really important and getting that balance right is quite difficult sometimes i think being really honest with yourself about your activity levels as well if you haven't if you're thinking of getting a dog maybe um then well done for listening to this to prepare yourself and read the book um 10 points to you yeah (laughs) um but if you are an active you know mountain climber fell walking you know uh, park running person then great go for a high energy high, high energy dog mm-hmm. um but if you do want a 20 minute trot around the block then get a, get, get a retired greyhound <laughs> <laughs> you get a hamster <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i think it's it's about doing what is best for you and your dog and uh not necessarily just conforming to societal norms of walks yes yes i again amazing amazing advice there uh let your now do we move slightly into controversial territory here, oh, here we go. so let the dog be a part of his pack or hers pack as much as possible um in other words allow your dog to be with you or someone in the family and teach him uh teach him only very gradually to accept being alone now the word pack obviously that that uh that does prick your eye <laughs> And it does prick your eye is and and only it's been because poison, it's been poisoned that word yeah, hasn't it and I, don't, I think in this context what we're talking about is how social yeah you know how giving your dog access to being social yeah which is important yeah if you have a social dog i think i yeah i agree with every word in that point i yep. uh, just yeah i think we've all go a bit <laughs> when we hear the word it's like the d word or, yeah <laughs> but we shouldn't it's just a word it's just a word yeah and it, yeah sometimes these words can be relevant as well uh Closeness, touching, massage, lying close together without keeping your dog there by force. All of these provide stress release for puppies as well as adult dogs and humans. Yeah. Studies have shown. I know. I love grooming my dogs. Yeah. It's de-stress for me. Obviously, it wouldn't be as de-stressful if they didn't enjoy it. So yes. I've done, you know, a lot of work to make sure that they do enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but and observing yeah, just their body be language. just being. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, again, we've got this kind of um, weird perception that the dog's time is on a walk um, yeah. or when we're at training class. But, you know, just sit and watch telly with your dog. That's what the I rest do of the time. Of the time. Just, just be sat in a bed somewhere. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I think that's in terms of things that everyone should know how to identify when your dog is stressed and but also just as important what to do what yeah you can it's do a really nice it. little section actually it's lovely mm. made me all warm and fuzzy because it <laughs> it's got some you know it's not just pointing out um all the bad stuff no. you know oh don't do this don't do this it's just saying you know watch out for these things and react accordingly 
And again, some really, really simple things you can do right away, day one. Yeah. Um, and massively change change your world, which is always good. Yeah. So last little bit then, uh, questions. I want to do. I always want to go question. <laughs> Tell me something about your dog. That's really bad. Um, what? Um, I'll be editing that uh, out. Destiny's, <laughs> Destiny's child. Yeah, Destiny's child. Amazing. I'm, Can you do the jingle? I'm just like, like Beyonce. Question? You, yeah. <laughs> you missed the booty shake here in the studio. It's good. No one needs to see my booty shake anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Not even on a podcast. <laughs> so, questions. Uh, it would also be great. Um, obviously, this is our first podcast, but it would be brilliant if... Um, you could send us some questions in. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna obviously um, tell you which book we're gonna be reading next. Um, we're gonna also put a reading list up on our Facebook group. So come and find Barks from the Bookshelf on Facebook um, and be a part of that. Uh, and then you can maybe ask some questions as well. Um, drop us on on Facebook, or um, we will have an email address at some point. I'm very unprepared for that, but I might. Yeah, Facebook's a good place. To I might start. edit one in, but Facebook, yeah, get yeah. in on a Facebook. Um, yeah. So questions. Here's my question. Okay. Natalie, my sister behaviourist. Start of a turn. <laughs> How effective are we as humans Human. at using calming signals? Well, I feel like there's two questions there, Steve. Do you? How effective are we at using them and how effective are they? Uh-huh. So, what, are see they, what I did there. Are they, what, do you mean how effective are they coming from a human? Yes. Okay, yep, okay. Um... Ma, 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 ma. I well, would, go on, you go. I, I'll tell you a quick story. Okay? Yeah. Um, so I obviously I've been reading this book, and there's a case study at the end of a a, a little a doggy that is uh, not happy with a train passing close to her house. Yeah. Um, and they used yawning. Um, they make they, they they use other stuff as well, not only yawning, but but um, in the case study this has a, quite a dramatic effect on the dog and I've used uh, yawning before I remember the first time I read this I was going around yawning all over the place <laughs> <laughs> of course because <laughs> I'd read somewhere deliberately well, it shows the uh, yeah. uh, empathy and all of that sort of stuff with people and you know, no dog's ever yawned back at me so I don't know if I'm just not a very I haven't got an empathetic maybe face maybe you're trying a bit too hard <laughs> <laughs> maybe my yawning looks like I'm having some sort of fit <laughs> Um, but um, so it's never worked for me before but last night again I was talking about the fireworks thing and after reading that recently I thought oh I'm going to give it a go and the thing that I uh, that I hadn't done before uh, but noticed when I read the book was she was talking about it's important not to have eye contact when you do this because when a dog was doing it to another dog they wouldn't be staring directly yeah. at him and I, was, and I thought back to how I was and probably because you're staring. a human yeah you're I was staring, staring at dogs yeah. and yawning at them yeah. which is really really weird you, you stupid human <laughs> um <laughs> So last night I did. I tried yawning, stretching my arms out, and actually, and I don't know. This is this is where this falls down as a scientific study because I don't know if I, because I was looking for them getting calmer yes. that suddenly it was. And where was your control group? And have you yes, done any graphs? I and haven't done. Have a you graph, written out though. a strict methodology? I did, I did make a pie. What was your no. sampling size? <laughs> but, from what I observed with my tiny brain, um, it seemed to calm uh, on occasions where, at the very, at the very least, Penny would turn and look at me and go, "What's that weirdo doing?" Which would maybe a little break, and then she would relax a little bit. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure in any way, shape, or form that it had any effect. And it just got me thinking about how, because there's a bit of uh, a section in this book where it talks about that we can use them as well. Yeah. How can we? Should we? 
I mean, I, we, we've talked know, about the recall, like turning yeah, the shoulder completely. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I think that, yes, we should, um, because I'm all for, you know, attempting cross-species communication. Mm-hmm. And when you look at uh, research studies and the work of other ethologists that work on different species, such as uh, primates, for example, they would mimic a lot of the body yeah. language in yeah. order to, you know, ingratiate themselves with those individuals um and and kind of signal their their non-threatening um intentions i think some calming signals lend themselves to us using them better than others um and i'm all for a bit of home science so i think go for it try it what's the harm we end up looking you like know. a maniac. That's well, you are going to look slightly Yawning more like dog. a maniac. <laughs> um, but, you know, that goes with the territory of being a crazy dog person, doesn't Turns it? Turns out rolling on my back and exposing <laughs> my belly didn't work either. Did you, you know, as long as you didn't do any submissive urination or anything like that, then, you know, that's that's where we need the intervention. Let's just not go there. <laughs> okay. I think. Let's not go there. So yeah, the, I, I certainly think that um, the, the, the use of our, our, our bodies... Um, is a massive communication tool with dogs and it does translate across species. Um, whether, um, you know, whether the yawning is, is one of them, I don't know, jury's out. Who knows? Give yeah. it a go. Yeah. Give What's it the all, worst that can give happen? Give it all a go. I mean, I got thrown yeah. out of a restaurant, but... <laughs> <laughs> Question two then. This is your one. Question. Question. <laughs> uh, so my question was uh, about actually how good dog owners are at observing uh, mm. behaviour and um, looking for all these little uh, signals that they might be giving us all the time because, you know, I, I'm lucky I've done um, study at university and part of that was teaching me how to be an ethologist and observe behavior and then analyze it and interpret it um but for you know joe blogs on the street with with fido i don't know how how good those skills are generally yeah um and i certainly notice a lot more going on i mean i'm quite a nosy person i love people watching like my idea of a brilliant day out is to just sit and watch people and make up little stories about where they might be going in their lives and you know yeah Yeah. and and so i it's it's kind of a hobby for me anyway um and i wonder in this day and age without getting too you know technical we all have our faces in our phones and are we actually watching the world Mm. around us and what's going on um and are we properly observing and seeing the the things that are there when our dogs are interacting with with people and dogs um or are we just assuming that the the absence of aggression i.e a growl or a bite means that everything's fine it's that, that word, word again <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm gonna find you yeah, oh, no, i, I can't <laughs> the actual word is fine it's the fine fine oh the fine fine i like that <laughs> um yeah and it's a privilege owning a dog and i think the very least that you should do whether this will ever happen but at the very least you should do is you know that 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 forward knowledge that you know that that reading books like this exactly like this one like what we're talking about today and just having a little bit of knowledge about how to yeah. observe and see what's going on is is the very least you can do yeah the very least you can but do i wonder if it's a bit chicken and egg where because you don't know what you're looking at you don't enjoy watching it 
do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I wonder if, you know, hopefully if, if people do get um, maybe educated or pointed out by the likes of me or you or, that you know, they read the book and they go out looking for a head turn in a dog, um, maybe then that makes it more interesting to look for next time. I think so. you're right. And then actually the, the little bit, the little section we talked about was where Trud, uh says that you should focus on one thing. Yeah. Just that open the door because honestly, yeah. one. I mean, if, if you are any sort of geek and any sort of dog lover, which I'm assuming you are, if you're listening to this, yeah, otherwise you um, might be in the wrong place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the film reviews—they're uh, <laughs> not coming. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't talk it up enough. I honestly can't. It's a, it's an amazing and fascinating subject, and and once you get into it, you can go, you can walk snobby through the park looking at all the dogs. Like, yeah, oh, you can. Oh, 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 that one over there is not. Oh, he's a bit. Did old. you know? Yes, uh... yes. Not that I do do that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, what a great book for our first our first episode. I and think it we really, chose really well, is. didn't we? So you need to all go out and you need to go and buy on Talking Terms with Dogs: Calming Signals by Churid Rugas. Um, and uh, we are going to have a little interview with we her are. now, aren't we? So we everyone buckle up because uh, the amazing Churid Rugas herself is here for our chitty chat. Here she comes. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate the time that you've put aside to talk to us um, and introduce um, the first episode of our new podcast, which is called Barks from the Bookshelf. And we're basically looking at um, books that Steve and I absolutely love and have moulded our, our careers, basically, in dog training. Um, and so we chose your book on Talking Terms with Dogs, Calming Signals, as our first book. Um, and hopefully you'll be happy with what we discussed as well. Um, so I guess, um, you know, being able to speak to you um, is a, a real... real um, pinnacle of my career to be honest so thank you and um i've been watching videos of some of your seminars and i just really love the way that you say to keep it simple and that getting back to basics and understanding and observing dogs is the way forward so i wondered if you could just give us a bit more um about that for some of our listeners that may not have read your book yet or know know your work well, it's a, it's a little bit difficult, that one, because uh, my work has uh, been de developed during a long, long, long process, and I've been doing so much studying and observations and trying out and trying to develop new methods and this and that. So it's really hard to, to describe any of that. But uh, you can say that during a long life, I've come to the to the fact that um, everybody do things too complicated, <laughs> uh, and and I think everybody should think a little about doing things a little bit more simple and just uh, walk along with how dogs are and just join them in their way of living. I, I wanted to ask you something, actually, Chirid. Um I love the bit in the beginning of your book about your one of your dogs. Is it is it Vesla? Is that how you pronounce the name? Yeah, that's correct, Vesla. And yeah. she taught you um, a lot about um, about dogs just by being herself. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about about Vesla and uh, and uh, how she mm -hmm. helped you. Yeah. 
you know, I, I always, I have had dogs for many years and uh, I always observe them. I am a born observer, so I maybe observe more and better than most people. Mm -hmm. And I always enjoyed seeing how they were communicating and what they were trying to tell. But uh, it was uh, quite difficult uh, when nobody could tell you what any anything meant. Yes. So then uh, I got uh, Vesla, which uh, was a stray dog. She and she was uh, complete uh, a vagabond, <laughs> and uh, which is, which is really unusual in Norway. I don't know what happened, and nobody knew where she came from. Oh. But I picked her up, and we tried to rehome her, but that was nobody wanted her. She was really terrible. So what I did was uh, just. Uh, uh, trying to be with her and try to get a relationship with her without asking anything because um, what people often do wrong is that they start training them. That's yeah. not the point. You ha you have just to understand. So I just was with her and uh, uh, then uh, gradually I saw that she was calming down, getting used to be there and then she also started to communicate with my own dogs. And there was a really magical moment for her one day when she I could see that she got it. Wow. She understood how she was going to communicate with the others. And from then on, she just got better and better every day. And it was a miracle to watch her. Oh. and see how she developed and how she good she got. Those and moments, I just watched her. Those moments yeah. are absolute gold, aren't they? When things fall into place. It's so nice to it see. It's fantastic. It's yeah, it's so fantastic. Nice and and people should take more time or doing that, just watching and getting those moments. People are too busy. They have to do, do things all the time. Yeah. And they need to slow down and and really get those magic, uh, magical moments. It's a lovely passage in the book where you um, suggest to people as well to to just pick maybe one one thing to focus on. I think that's really great yeah. advice. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's easier for people if they can do one thing at a time. Uh, when you go take your dog to a class, for instance, you do a lot of things and it gets too much for most people. Mm. It's uh, And it gets frustrating because you feel you can't do it and the dog doesn't do it. and uh, It gets very frustrating. It's a hard balance to get right, actually, classes, I think, because it, what people think they want when they get a puppy, especially with puppies, versus what mm. actually they need to get. You know, trying to get that balance right as a trainer is quite a difficult thing because, you know, I, I, mm. I, I run classes myself and, I, and I, I've always thought, you know, all I want is, is the dogs to, you know, be, be comfortable in that class and have a nice experience there. It's not it's not about teaching sits and, and downs and things no, like that for no, me. No, 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 no. It's not the time and place for it. And they are just babies at that time. So yeah. they, they shouldn't do things like that. No. We don't teach small kids also uh, such things. <laughs> and to be obedient and things. We, we never dream about that. And we shouldn't do it with puppies either. They, they really need to... Uh, they, as I usually say, that when they are young, they are under construction. <laughs> and they cannot expect... Uh, a building to burn the construction to 
to hold water, it has to be constructed first. Yes. I love that. So, That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I, um, I wanted to ask you about um, your career as well, because um, I'm actually doing my PhD at the moment. I'm, I'm looking at the history of dog training in the UK. Um, so I'm looking at the changes in trends of pet dog owners and the kind of fashions that have been around in pet dog training from the 1970s mm-hmm. onwards. Um, oh, yeah. And so, um, it, you know, it's it's great to be able to ask someone who's kind of lived through that within the sector as well. And um, I just wondered whether you've seen trends go up and down and come round again and, and, you know, whether you had any thoughts, um, again, for our listeners about... Um, which kind of route for their their training if you want to call it that or observations that they they could take for for dogs and what's best for dogs well um you know there things go up and down yes in a way but there have been clear changes up through the times and i because i'm as old as i am i've been able to follow it all the way and i can clearly see uh, the the fashions coming and going and new fashions taking over um, one thing is that uh, there was no direct training of ordinary dogs before the second world war it came with the uh, with the war dogs so to say mm-hmm. and it started to to become normal to go to to uh, courses and such that was a new thing and then uh, it was only in the 1970s that people started to talk about being the boss and and doing all these things to dogs that uh, was not so nice that came that's quite it came quite late actually and of course now we are getting away from it again because we see the the long-term results and it's not very nice so uh, then came the 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 fashion of having fun and that took completely over and it has become ridiculous everybody's going to run around having fun <laughs> uh, fly ball and agility and everything's going to be yippity hoo and uh, that uh, is not so good either those get stressed mm. uh, so we we have come into a long period where we have a lot of really stressed dogs. And um, then, of course, we are into a little more what we can call mindfulness at the moment, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I don't know where that will take us, but it's also taking a little bit overhand. I mean, uh, everything that people start to do gets too much. They overdo things. Yeah. They uh, they cannot keep it uh, to a normal level. It just takes completely over. Uh, and I think we're still into that uh, mindfulness period uh, in a way. And what I hope for is that we come out of it with a, a little more um, things in level. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more normal, can you say? And uh, when I'm uh, I'm not running classes, and I haven't done for many years because uh, most classes are not really good for dogs. Uh, so uh, you you should be very very good if you can manage to to make that a good uh, experience for anybody. 
I prefer smaller groups, uh, one by one or two, uh, just very small groups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want to learn something, I, that's the best. I mean, financially, it's not the best. Uh, you probably <laughs> have to have a, a few more in a group, but uh, I, I would never have more than four in a group. And I would uh, pick them out so they uh, suit each other in a way. I wouldn't have, for instance, uh, one small puppy and three big ones in the same group. Never. Yes. Because you, all, you always get... Uh, you get uh, bullying yeah. and all kind of nasty things going on. Yeah, I, I think. So it's uh, yeah. I think that's that's brilliant, and certainly the way that that Steve and I try and work with our groups as well and match up. And I guess the tricky mm. thing is that when you're you're faced with all the the busyness and the fashions and the fads and the whizzy yeah. fandango videos of training, um, it's it's hard to not. Um, feel that you're kind of selling your skills short to some of your clients because sometimes I know I know what the dog needs and that's just to have a nice time and, and mooch around and sniff and maybe have some off-lead freedom um, but the client maybe thinks that there needs to be more 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 because that's what we're being pushed so it's, yeah. it's really and yeah and that's what we have to teach people yeah what uh, is really good for them uh, and that's why uh, at my old age now I've started a few new projects and one of them seems to be taking really off and I, 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 I hope that it will have some impact on how people uh, look upon things. Uh, it's something we call the smiling leash. Right. Oh. And smiling leash. Uh, because uh, we always talk about walking nicely on a trip, but uh, people don't even, they don't feel they know what walking nicely is. So we have introduced a smiling leash. And uh, what we are doing is uh, sending out a lot of films so people can see how it should look and get a good feeling about taking a nice walk with their dogs. Wow, that's and, that sounds uh, great, it sounds yeah. it sounds very simple, but uh, I, I really have great hopes because I'm tired of telling people do this, do that, don't <laughs> do that, don't do this, because it's not nice to be told always, and people don't really like it. Mm. So what we're doing now is just showing them yeah. how it can be and get a good feeling about it. So is this something and that people can sort of go online and find? Yes, it will soon. It's on the way uh, and Brilliant. it will probably be out online very soon on the, with the name Smiling Leash. Smiling Fabulous. Leash. Fabulous. You heard it here first, people. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll look out for that and we'll, um, we'll add that into our show notes so that people can find <laughs> yeah, sure. it. That'd be great. Yeah. And, do you know, I, I really believe maybe that is uh, the new trend in the future. I hope so. That yeah. people will uh, relax a little with their dogs and have a good time together. Yeah. Yeah. Just being with them. I was yeah, because I don't need to learn so many commands and words. I don't see the point. Yeah, they I, can learn things to do, of course, but uh, only what they want to and feel good about. 
I think there's sort of a competitive streak somewhere, isn't there? Because um, yeah, and and um, absolutely. Sometimes with my dogs, I even I feel the pressure. I mean, I my dogs um, yeah. know how to be dogs. That's what I aim to teach them. But if if someone else is giving them a treat, for example, it's just a natural expectation that the dog has yeah. to do something for it. Yeah. And and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I say, oh, they don't they don't do anything. They they're just nice dogs. And um, and you know, some people think I'm joking or I'm, you know that they don't believe me and I, and I think well what's wrong with that you know they they don't yeah. need to be able to perform they just need to be happy no 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 and we are trying to teach people to let them use their their senses more so uh, yeah. uh, I am about to, next year I'm planning to build up a sensory garden for for dogs in this area and many many of my students everywhere are doing the same uh, something for dogs to sniff and ex- uh, explore with all their senses. That's what they are really born to do, and that's what they really enjoy. Yeah. Wow, it might surprise you to learn that Nat has actually got a sensory garden <laughs> in her. She, she's got a field, so she's got her own little yeah. uh, sensory garden down there. And uh, we've got an area, and um, we we rent a field. Um, it's a beautiful place, um, and we've got an yeah. area, an area that we call Sniffy Corner. And it's all about, okay. yeah, it's so, so it's long grass, um, logs for sniffing. Yeah. We've got some tyres to hide stuff in. And, and uh, yeah, and the dogs absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Of course I do. And if people just can discover that they can take the dogs out and just let them sniff around, no yeah. matter where it is, because the, the whole world is a sensory garden, if you look upon it like that. Yeah. So you can take the dog anywhere and just let him explore and the amazing thing about it, they get such self-confidence out of it. Yes. We don't, and often you don't have to teach them much more because they, they really learn so much from it. Yeah. My my newest rescue dog is a um, an Irish wolfhound, and he was in a pretty bad state. I and mean, I've had him nearly four months now. And um, you know, the the biggest celebrating we've done is when he was brave enough to go outside and he sniffed. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I've really tried to to push that about how much of a celebration that is, and it doesn't. It, you know, it shouldn't be if the, your dog can do something. It's mm. it's their confidence in the environment, yeah. really. Um, yeah, and it's amazing what it does to their self-confidence. And I've seen so many dogs who actually people thought were fearful when they had been allowed to sniff and explore a lot. They weren't fearful anymore. Yeah. They got that confidence they need to cope with life. And I think that is so important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, massively important. Um, I just thought I, I did want to ask you one thing, if that's okay. Um, in the book, it does mention that you started your original dog school. Was it 1984? Um, yeah. On a farm overlooking the fjords of Norway. Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> no, no fjords there. No, no, no. It was a farm in the in the uh, woods in the forest. Oh, wow. uh, uh, not far from Oslo, so it was uh, very uh, by itself. I had no neighbours. It was all quiet and fine up there, so it was a good place to to do it. Actually, it sounds ideal. It sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah, I have now moved to to the coast, so now I look at the water, but I didn't at that time. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's, that's maybe even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I also put... But, uh, oh, sorry, carry on. Yeah. 
So uh, I think if you think about the future, I think that uh, maybe uh, we will look more at what the dogs need and what they enjoy, use their senses more, live more together with them in a way, instead of of uh, making them uh, do everything we want them to do. That's definitely, we call that a book so. slam moment, don't we? Yeah, book slam <laughs> moment. We like that. So j- yeah. just, to, just to finish up, um, obviously, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, uh, really appreciate too. it. Um, you mentioned in the book that when you were five, you wanted to do, you always wanted to do something for dogs. Um, yes. And I can't, if I'm being honest, I can't think of many people that have had an effect on the world of dogs many more people that have much more of an effect than you have so you must feel quite proud of yourself and inspiring people like us to go and you know pay it forward and and teach the same sort of things and um yeah yeah yeah. no it's uh it's amazing i think i was uh i was born to work with the animals i i it was nothing i chose It, it was just something that uh i was born to do so i never had that choice in the way <laughs> <laughs> it's a calling almost yeah in a way uh, my friend terry ryan in the u.s has once told me that we couldn't be missionaries but i said terry that's exactly what i uh, what i feel i am yes yes yeah. and it was, it was terry that got you to write the book wasn't so, it Is yeah, right? yeah 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 brilliant so uh, that's uh, that's how it is it's been my life it's been my whole life Wow. And I last year it uh, it uh, paid off in a way when I got the the King's Medal of Merit for my work with dogs. Wow! Which is the absolutely only dog trainer in the whole wide world who has ever got. Wow! That's amazing. And I feel really proud about you it. You should do, and very well deserved as well. Yeah, very well deserved. Very well deserved. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. We hope, you're so yeah, we we really hope that you're going to like the podcast. So we'll um, I'll send you a link to it so you can have a listen of us chatting on yeah. about um, calming signals and all sorts. So um, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it, and thank you for um, putting such an important piece of work out there in the world and for a, such a fantastic career. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye all right. Bye. Have a lovely evening. Bye. Thanks. You too. Right, bye. bye. Massive thank you to Turid for t- speaking Huge. to us. I mean, that is a tick off the bucket list, I think. Do it you? is. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. bucket list is uh, is one less. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, just to be able to speak to her in person. Awesome. Hopefully we're going to get a few more authors of the books that we talk to to, to talk to us as well. So yeah. that'll be fun and exciting. It's good to get their insight as well, isn't it, into it and, you know, how they feel about how, well, particularly in books like this where it's been out for a while. Yeah. It's still standing the test of time. A legacy. Still, indeed. A legacy. Yeah, what a legacy. What, what a legacy. legacy. What set of legacies? Hang on, what's <laughs> Right, so quotes then. Um, we were thinking of ending every one of our podcasts by um, going through a few quotes that, Favorite we, that snippets. we've got. And there's there's a few in here, isn't there? We've got four. Oh, it's hard to choose. It but, choose. you know, otherwise we'd just be reading the whole thing out. And that might be against <laughs> some copyright laws, I That's think. That's what they call an audiobook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then we'd just, you know, wang on about other stuff as well. It'd be about five hours long. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, shall I go first then? Go for it. Okay. Uh, I like this one. 
because I do want to be Natty Doolittle. Don't do little. Do lotl. <laughs> Natalie Doolittle. Natalie Doolittle. Oh my goodness. I've go. got two nicknames now. We've only been going a little while. Okay, so here's my first quote. Calming signals are the key and seeing through that open door has been like looking into a childhood dream of talking to the animals. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? It's good. It's true. It's like, it is true. It's a language. It is true. And it, yeah, we, well, we've said it enough of me that it just opens that world up to you. And what a world. What a world indeed. In the words of Rufus, Rufus Wainwright, <laughs> oh, what a world. I love that song. It's a lovely song. Um, are you doing the next one or am I doing the next one? No, you do one and then, and then yeah, I'll go. Oh, this is a nice quote. I like this one. Um, if your dog is being stubborn or distracted or just walking away sniffing as a result of your actions. Oh, sorry. Is your dog being stubborn or distracted or walking away sniffing as a result of your actions? It might be that the dog is feeling a little insecure, not coping or perhaps unsure of how to deal with the situation. That's just not... I like that. That's those displacement behaviours again, isn't Exactly. It? And again, we use yeah. words like stubborn and things like that all of the time. Um, yeah, just a little bit of thinky. Yeah. A little bit of thinky-thinky time. Why might this be happening? Exactly. Indeed. Very rarely is it stubborn. Very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Next. Um, along those lines, if you want your dog to respect you, you must also respect your dog. A good relationship is based on two-way communication and living together in a well-balanced togetherness. Lovely. Done. Says it all. I've got one more, but I think that should have been a mic drop moment. Do you think? Yeah. Well, I kind of did a book slam moment. Is that the same as a mic drop moment? I'll try I didn't want to break your mic, you know. So last but not least, the 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 great Mahatma Gandhi, or the Gandman, as I knew him. <laughs> um, the <laughs> The Are you allowed <laughs> to speak about Gandhi in that way? I I'm not know. sure. Um, any, I'm sure he'll be in touch. Any complaints? Yeah. It's Natalie Light <laughs> at. Uh... Right. So Mahatma Gandhi, the greatness of a nation can be judged by the way its animals are treated. Oh yeah, that's a book close moment. Brilliant. And on that wonderful note, we, we shall yeah say goodbye. Farewell. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Come back next week. Oh, what book are we doing next? <gasps> oh. Dog is love. Dog is love. Dr. Clive Wynn. And what does this make you think of when you read the title of this book? The, uh... Oh, Hadaway. What they, Hadaway, that was it. <laughs> I was going to do this at the... Dog is love, baby don't hurt me. That's enough of that. Yeah. That's quite enough of my singing. Anyway, you've got a beautiful voice. I have lately. not, but So, dog is anyway. love. The science of why and how your dog loves you. I mean, which is... That's going to be amazing. It's a big question. Oh, I know, and we are actually. I'm enjoying it so far. Actually, I've not quite, I've it, not quite finished. But I, I haven't started. <gasps> Get on with it, Steve. Slap my wrists. Get on with it. <laughs> so we'll see you all for our next episode. Dog is love. Doctor Clive Win. Yes. Uh, get it. Get reading. And send us your questions. Send us your questions. See you there. Bye. 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 Hey. Bye. Bookshop and